So the first thing I would say is, I believe that better communicators equal better relationships. And because I understand that relationships are the currency of life, then I need to make sure that I'm investing in my effective communication ability. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, there's a difference between communication and effective communication. We all communicate, but we don't all communicate effectively. Wait, say that again, <laughs> because I need, I need them to hear that again. Please say that again. Yeah, so there's a difference between communication and effective communication. We all communicate, all of us. Some people will think that's only speaking. Well, I like to say it's speaking and listening mm -hmm. and it's body language. But we all communicate in some shape, form, or fashion, but we don't all communicate effectively. And one of the biggest myths or mistakes that people make when it comes to communication is that when you hear communication, the majority of people, the first thing they think about is speaking mm -hmm. or talking or sending a message where that's a small piece. The biggest piece is the listening piece, but you can't listen to anything if you haven't asked. And I'm going to sound like a broken record, man. We need to start asking more and making statements less. Mm -hmm. If I tell you to do something, that's information. But if I ask you something and you discover it for yourself, that's transformation. Welcome to the Paint Method Podcast. Welcome back to those of you who have been on this journey with us. And uh, those of you that are new, uh, you're probably wondering, is this an art podcast? Is this a creative podcast? This is a mindset podcast. I'm an artist, but looking back on my journey, I've seen paint as these pillars that have really helped me not only discover where I'm at, but also create what comes next and paint passion, action, intent, new and teach. And we get into these with different stories and, and, and uh, you know, interviews that we do on here. But uh, I just it feels good to, to be here and also to speak in uh, longer form, too. You know, I think we get so used to these 15 second clips online, sometimes shorter, and we forget that there's so much value from these uh, conversations that we get to have. Uh, but those of you who are listening on a podcast platform, be sure to follow this podcast so that you get updated anytime we post uh, the latest episodes. And if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to subscribe and uh, like this. And if you're if you're really, really feeling it, you really want to support, you can share this uh, podcast as well. Now, every day, I know we all get up and, and like today, I set my alarm for 6 a.m., I didn't get out till maybe like 7.30, 7.45. I just kept hitting the snooze. I just, there's some days where, where I got it. I'm up early and some days I just need a little extra push. And I didn't realize that I was going to come in today and get that push that I needed from today's guest. Uh, I, I, he calls himself this. I would also agree that he is the encouragement expert. Number one, Amazon bestselling author featured uh, TED Talk speaker. He was honored by Walmart as a community playmaker. And today he's also going to teach us and share how we dominate your day. But also there was one little nugget that you shared that I was just <laughs> blown away by. And, it's, and we get into communication because you are also a communication expert. Mm -hmm. What's, what would be the title for that? Communication? I call myself an effective communication trainer. That and and we when we talked about communication, it was this little part that I I just it just stuck with me. I had you like repeat it like three or four <laughs> times. But what was that? We all communicate, but we don't all communicate effectively. 
That's right. We're going to get a masterclass on communication today. Let's welcome our guest, Dwight Taylor Sr. Let's go. We are all on our paint journey, but where are we now? And where do we go next? This is how passion, action, intent, new, teach. This is The Paint Method. So I love this. The encouragement <laughs> expert. Yeah. How how does one just evolve? How do you come to the understanding that like this is something that you believe in, which is you want to encourage people yeah. in general? That's a great question. And my answer is specific to my grandfather. Mm -hmm. So my grandfather, Wendell Taylor Sr., shout out to him because I know he's going to watch this and he's listening <laughs> to it. But uh, he's an encourager. And that's just naturally who he is. And so I've watched him not only encourage other people, but I've watched him encourage our entire family. And my grandfather has been my number one supporter, number one cheerleader, number one encourager for the 40 years that I've been alive. You know, and so uh, for me, it's really just an opportunity to pay it forward. Like this is my return on the investment that he put inside of me to make sure that I encourage at least two people a day. Like that's my thing. I challenge every person that I come across to encourage too. And even if that second person is you, because we do need that encouragement at times, Ooh. right? Make sure that you encourage two people a day because it goes a long way. Yeah. What's interesting is that his that like your grand your grandfather? Yeah. Right? yeah. Your grandfather put that energy into his family based on his experience. So his experiences converted into the energy into his family. Facts. And that converted into you wanting to share this with the world, whether it's the person which I read in the Starbucks line yeah. or whether you're on stage in Australia <laughs> yep. speaking or wherever you go and it's converted into a number one Amazon bestseller. Yes, sir. Dominate your day, which we'll definitely get into. Uh, but And we're going to get into all that, but early life, yeah. like growing up, what, did your grandfather raise you? Did your parents raise you? Like, What was your early life like? Where was that? Yeah, so I'm going to give you the, the condensed version. Yes. My story is colorful, as I like to say. Uh, you could add, we're into color here. We're, I like to throw it yeah. around. Here. So uh, my mother and father were 17 and 18 when they had me. And teenagers, mm -hmm. young, still in high school. And fortunately, they had my grandparents and my aunties and uncles to come around them and help raise me. And so uh, for 18 long years, my grandparents and the village that they had poured everything they could into me to help me be the best version of myself. And so uh, my journey starts in Richmond, California. Okay. Shout out to the Bay Area. Yes. You know, and uh, after that, I moved to many different cities within the Bay Area. So although I'm from Richmond, I am the Bay. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and so I represent every part of the Bay Area. I ended up going to school at Bishop O'Dowd High School in Oakland, California. And um, it was just a beautiful opportunity for me growing up in the, in the early 80s and 90s yeah. to see what the Bay Area had to offer. And that's where, where I really got cultured. Yeah. Right. It was a melting pot for multiple different people. I went to school with multiple different nationalities and races. And mm -hmm. so I got to learn and find out about people. And that's where I really began this piece of I value people mm -hmm. because I'm around people who don't look like me. Maybe we in the same city, but you live on this side and this person lives on this side. And I seen how my grandparents treated everyone. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather was a person that was I'm going to say my grandparents, but specifically my grandfather his motto was leave people, places, and things better than you found them. Yeah. And he was like, it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter who you meet. It doesn't matter what somebody 
allows you to have in their possession. Leave that thing, that person or that place better than you found them. And he wasn't just a man of words. He was a man of action. And so I watched my grandfather everywhere we went really tap into that side of empowerment and encouragement. And so uh, that was even with my parents who at times were not around as much as I desired for them to be around at that time because they're, they're young, yeah. right? And they're trying to still figure out their life and figure out their way. Did they put their dreams on hold? Or did they have aspirations similar to yours? My grandparents? Or your, your parents? Okay, so my, my parents, uh, my mother wanted to be a singer okay at some point and she ended up being a singer she still sings in the choir right now yes. so shout out to my mom she got she got vocals man. <laughs> um and my father was a dj like my father was a dj back in the early 80s and so he used to dj events um with with dr dre and different folks and so that was really my first introduction into not just music and not just rap but how to communicate a message in a different way to reach the audience that you want to reach. Yeah, you know, I always believe that uh, the collision of our passions mm. are eventually what we uh, become. Yeah. Un unknowingly, you know, when you approach, say, just music, you're like, I'm going to do this one thing. Yeah. Not knowing that it's preparing you for communicating a message. Right. And, um, and so... Early on, like, was that your vision? Was to to be a musician, to uh, to be in music? Was that the the first ultimate goal? I wouldn't say it was the first ultimate goal. The first ultimate goal was to be a baseball player. Okay, that's what it was. I started playing baseball at four years old, so that was my passion. Uh, Ricky Henderson, four was, years old. Four years old. That's a yeah. that's a long time. Yeah, and wow. so uh, Ricky Henderson was one of my favorite baseball players. Yeah, and so I'm a lefty, and I used to pitch. Um, I played first base, center field. I could switch hit. I could drag bunt. I could do everything. Yeah. And so I really wanted to, you know, be a baseball player. And then the very next year is when my dad invited me into the garage as him and his boys were recording their first pro their first album. I'm going to shout it out. IGO stands for It's Going On. Find it on Google. <laughs> um, yeah. But he invited me into the garage for me to just witness and watch him DJ, him mix and scratch. And his boy, Rennie Wren, was on the mic rapping. And in that moment, I was like, whoa, this is different. Yeah. I've never seen anything like this. I've never heard anything like this. But here's the thing, DG. I was like, I can do this. Yeah. At five, I was like, I can do this. And so my dad put me on the spot. He was like, rap something. Yeah. Man, I'm rapping about Sesame Street. I'm rapping <laughs> about cars. I'm rapping about trucks. I'm rapping about anything that was in my world at that time. Yeah. And from that moment on, I knew that rapping was going to be something uh, that stuck with me, but even more than just rapping, it was a love for just music. Yeah, it's it, that's also interesting too. Is I believe that we're wired a certain way yeah. until it comes across an experience, mm. and that experience is what sparks that wire. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's something new that's going to happen here. Right. And um, and so did you? Uh, you were doing baseball for yeah. a long time. Yeah. And then were you pursuing music in parallel to that? So I was doing baseball. Then I did basketball. Then I was doing karate, and then I was doing soccer. <laughs> so I'm, I'm because, doing all those yeah, things. Yeah, because it's not enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm doing all those things because I just I love sports. Yeah. And I really love the the team aspect and the camaraderie. I come from a big family, so these sports allowed me to have an extension of that with the teammates that I had. But music was always something that I really wanted to do. And uh, Tupac was my favorite artist, and so I was like, at some point, I'm gonna be as big as Pac. Yeah. And um, I pursued it. And the, the short of the long story is that it didn't pan out the way that I wanted it to mm -hmm. in my younger years. Even though I'm battle rapping every day at school, yeah. um, I'm in every single talent show at school and rapping, 
I'm in history class pretending to be reading my history book, but I got my notebook behind it and I'm writing yeah. raps all day long. I'm getting in trouble by my grandmother because she's telling me to put, put the uh, garbage out, to take the garbage out, and I'm writing raps. She had to tell me three or four times until she said, you want me to tell your grandfather? No, no, no. Let me go and do that. I said, you should have started with that first. <laughs> you, you know, we have that in common. Yeah. You know, we are, we are fellow rappers. Okay. And so in middle school... I, I I was already into like hip hop and music. Yeah. I was just a very artistic kid. But in middle school, I entered the uh, seventh grade talent show to rap. And guess who won first place? <laughs> Take that piano players. No, I, I, I love music. I grew up playing the trumpet, okay. but also then getting into hip hop and hip hop culture and just rap. Yeah. I took my shot at it. That was the extent of my career. Yours okay. went much okay. further yeah. than mine. Gotcha. But um but no, and I and I noticed that because the way that you communicate mm. and you are a communication coach. Yeah. You're the encouragement expert. I mean, what better trait to pay off mm. to like really set the foundation mm. for what you became yeah. and created? Yeah. Was, did you notice a shift, um, you know, say, uh, you know, after high school or college when you started setting your sights on coaching or teaching somehow? So I started setting my sights on that piece probably around my last year of college. Okay. And I knew that I loved working with young people. Mm -hmm. Even when I was young, I was, my grandmother had me in church and, and she would uh, be running the Sunday school. And I'm 14 at the time. But she saw something in me. She saw that I was a teacher. She saw that I was a motivator. She saw that I was a young man of influence and people would listen to the words that I said. And so she would have me teaching the Sunday school class to my peers. Now, it's one thing for me to be 14 and teach to six, seven and eight where they're going to listen to me. I'm teaching to 14, 15 and 16 year olds, most of them older than me, but they're listening. Yeah. And so I remember getting glimpses of it in the past. Even with sports, I was a leader in sports. I was teaching and, and coaching even on the, on the field. My basketball coach back in the day would tell me as the point guard, you're my coach on the floor. Mm -hmm. And so all of those things were already inside of me. But uh, during my last year of college, I just really started thinking about what is it that I want to do. I, I knew I was getting my bachelor's of science degree in, in early childhood education. So I was like, I'm going to just be a teacher. And so I started setting my sights on that. Left Fresno State University, shout out to the Bulldogs, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Left Fresno State University, went back to Richmond, California to start a nonprofit. And I was like, I'm going to be a teacher and I'm going to have a nonprofit. Well, I started teaching pre-K. Mm -hmm. For those who don't know what that is, those four-year-olds who don't care about nothing that you're trying to say. No, it's like hurting cats. <laughs> exactly. I, we have kids, so yeah. I got kids and it, it is a very hard age to capture yeah, attention. Yeah, and so the dope part was I was able to capture their attention, which is why the school where I was at wanted me to like stay. But I'm like, I don't think this is my trajectory. I know teaching is it, but I don't think it's within this traditional setting. But I loved it because I could use my rap. I could use my music. I could use my way with words to get these four and five years old, four and five year olds engaged because I can come up with a chant on the spot. Yeah. And now they're learning about how to tie their shoe because I'm coming up with a chant. They're learning about uh, what words and sounds are different and, and similar because I'm coming up with things that resonate with them. So that part was when I really knew, I know I want to teach. I know I don't want to teach as a traditional teacher, but I'm going to continue to be on this path as an educator. But looking back on that time, 
you know, because we, we sort of see things more clearly retrospectively. Yeah. Like looking back, you go, because when you're in it, you don't really see yeah. it. But looking back, what do you think was a, a, a skill or a principle that helped you capture the attention of those young kids or your peers? I know you do it now just so easily because mm-hmm. I've seen you do it. But looking back then, what do you, th- was it a personality trait? Was it something that just came natural? What do you think it was? I think it was two things. One, it was just something that I've, I've been blessed and gifted with. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just what that part is. But the second thing was, I was very big on meeting people where they were. Mm-hmm. And what that meant to a four and five year old was not trying to talk about toys and meet them where they were, but I would get on my knee and that's mm-hmm. how I would have conversations with these students. So now I'm close to eye level with them and they didn't feel like this is some big person because that's how they would that's how they would articulate it. This is yeah. some big person speaking down to me or talking to me about something mm-hmm. that I don't understand. No, I would get on my knee so I can be very close to eye level with them and then just ask questions. Yeah. That's all I did. My teaching style is way different than most people, mm-hmm. but I believe that if you want to learn something from someone, just ask. And so I wanted to learn about these four and five-year-olds because I wanted to engage. And yeah. so that's what I felt back then really helped me connect with these young people was I knew that I wanted to engage with them. I knew that I wanted to meet them where they were. And so those two things put together, plus my natural God-given gift to just connect with people, that was the formula for success. Yeah. So you're getting into teaching. And uh, at what point do you start seeing beyond just sort of the teaching platform and you want to start speaking or coaching? Because that's there's a difference. You know, I teachers have changed my life. Yeah. I have a one particular art teacher that just completely changed it. Um, but also he was more like a coach too. Mm. You know, he he put in that extra time that wasn't just clocking in. Yeah. And not all, but some teachers do that. They're like, look, I'm here to do my job. Right. I'm done. Right. Coaching goes beyond that. Yeah. You're really looking at someone's life and you're part of that somehow. What was there a particular uh incident that happened to you or was there a coach in your life that sort of get you to think about, you know, I want to I want to go beyond just a teacher and coach. Yeah, that's a great question, man. Um, I just want to shout out. You're asking great questions. Oh, thank, thank I, you. Thank, I'm new to this. Hey, so you're asking great. <laughs> and and I'm, a, I'm a man who believes that I'm one of the greatest question askers in the universe. Yeah. And so I just want to shout that out and shout out to your people, man. You're doing a great job. Thank you, um, thank you. So there wasn't a point in the beginning where I thought about the coach aspect from like coaching people to success. Mm -hmm. But at the age of 19, I started coaching basketball. And so I got a piece of that coaching aspect from coaching basketball. But there's for me a middle piece. And all three of these pieces come directly from my grandfather who I talked about earlier. And I say TMC. So it's teach, mentor, and coach. I look at mentorship and coaching as two different things. Mentorship is when I'm literally doing life with you. I'm taking you everywhere I'm going. I'm showing you my good, my bad, my highs, my lows, my great, my ugly, so that you can learn from my example. I don't just want my talk to be something that you hear. I want my walk to be something that you see. Because what I learned early is that young people, they gravitate to what they see more than just what they hear. And so I seen myself being a mentor before before I seen myself being a coach. And so mentorship was something that I started like I said, I was 19 coaching basketball, but I'm mentoring these kids who live in the same vicinity as me, live in the same area. Then when I moved back to Richmond after I graduated, 
I started my nonprofit to mentor. So I still wasn't in the mindset of coaching. It was in the mindset of, I'm just going to do life with these young people and let them see every bit about me. So they know one, I'm not fake. I'm not phony. I come from the same place y'all come from. Mm -hmm. This is what it looks like. It's great some days. It's not great other days, but I want you to learn from my triumphs, but I also want you to learn from my trials. And so that's the way that I looked at it at a young age. So coaching and the aspect of what I do now didn't come till later down the line. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And, uh, and so, actually, real quick, tell me about your nonprofit. Yeah. I want to know about that and just because I feel like that did that kind of set you on a trajectory at that point. Yeah. Because you're in it yeah. with them. Big time. So, my nonprofit back then mm -hmm. was called On Purpose Incorporated Every Child of Destiny, No Child an Accident. And so, I started that in Richmond, California. It was my goal to go back and really be what I didn't have when I was growing up. Yes, I had my grandparents. Yes, I had my village, but I didn't see anybody who looked like me came from the same type of background, had the swag, and just had the influence and confidence to really help me change my trajectory. So I said, I want to be the change that I want to see. Yeah. And so I went back to Richmond and started this nonprofit. Shout out to the YMCA. I'm a YMCA kid. And they allowed me to use their space to have my nonprofit. They were like, hey, until you get your own space, consider our space yours. And so I uh, had a nonprofit organization. We ran it all the way until about 2012. Mm -hmm. And then... We stopped it. Kids were getting older. My life was changing. I'm speaking all over. I'm, I'm rapping. I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff. And so we put a pause on it at the moment, not knowing if it was going to come back. In my heart, I wanted it to come back. But then in 2019, my wife and I were like, we need to bring this thing back because not only are you doing great work and we're doing great work, but we need to scale this thing. And we need to be able to reach more youth, as my boy Wordsmith says, reach the youth with the truth. And yeah. so uh, in 2019, we thought about bringing the nonprofit back, but we changed the name. And so now our nonprofit is called Our Investment Now. Mm. And when people say, what does that mean? That means we're making investments right now that will benefit the young people in their now and in their future. Yeah. Uh, one of the conferences that I got to take part in that you yeah. put on was the Real Manhood 101. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I was just looking at some video of that before uh, before this. And there was a video of you in, in the classroom mm. and other other teachers in the classroom. Yeah. It was teachers. Or I would say you know, coaches or mentors, yeah. Yeah, any yeah. one of the range. And seeing the students' attention yeah. on you, yeah, and on the on the, they were locked in. I've seen you in other environments similar, yeah. Um, and I say this because I have I've been able to you know in my early years I, when I started speaking I would go to high schools around the country, mm. and that before I started in corporate that's where I was getting my 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 reps in, yeah, yeah. And in those environments the stage is already set for me, mm. you know, someone who had already captured their attention said now this person's coming and then okay i got him locked in but you're you're like doing that but you're setting the stage <laughs> right all the time around this age how hard is it to to consistently keep the attention of this younger generation now which our competition is something we can't compete with it's algorithms mm. it's uh you know technology it's yeah. music culture um how hard is that to to do that because you do it so well so are you asking how hard is it for me or for people in general? No, both. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for people in general, it may be hard if, one, they don't have a heart for it, or two, they have not got their reps up in doing it. For me, it's not hard at all. Mm -hmm. One, I've been doing this my entire life, so the reps are in there way past 10,000 hours. But I know the formula. 
And it goes back to what I was talking about before, meeting young people where they are, right where they are, and then encouraging them to be their best. The biggest piece out of all that is I never go in telling kids what to do. Mm -hmm. I always want to start by asking them what they want to do. Yeah. What do you want to do? What do you want to become? Who's around you that's helping you get there? Because once I know that information, then I can respond well to that and serve them at the highest level. But if I come in there assuming, which most adults do, assume that we know what's going on, mm -hmm. we're not going to hit the mark. Yeah. And so for me, it's about high engagement leads to high achievement, right? I work with school districts all over. I'm, I do educational consulting. And they're like, Dwight, come in and, and let's talk about student achievement. I said, well, we can't get to student achievement until we start with student engagement. And you just said it. We're competing with a lot of things. But here's the thing, DG. All we need to do is find out what they desire. And when we can find out what they desire, then we can help them define their desire and get them to the destination or the outcome that they want to get to. But the only way we can find out what someone desires, especially a young person, is to ask curious, creative, and quality questions as often as we can. And I like to tell people, if you're working with youth or you're working with adults, be more interested than interesting. Mm -hmm. Most people are trying to be interesting. Yeah. Oh, man, I got a book. I've rapped all over. I have my song uh, in the Golden State Warriors arena, Steph Curry, this, that. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Some people might be like, oh, man, that's dope. Kids want you to be interested in them mm -hmm. because not a lot of young people, and the crazy thing is I learned this with adults as well, but not a lot of young people have people who truly just want to help them, know about them, and bring the best out of them. They're usually around people who want something from them first. I'm like, no, no, no. In order to get something from them, you have to give something to them. And what I'm giving to them is my attention. What I'm giving to them is my understanding. What I'm giving to them is my engagement. And so now it's easy for them to give me the very things that I need to still help them be their best version of themselves. Yeah. As you are doing this and as you are teaching, yeah. is, there an, is there an art to this communication? Because... You know, b being a speaker and, and presenting, but also the one-on-one -on -one yeah. engagement that you have with, say, a student or a colleague or whoever that is, yeah. what, what is this art of communication that you, or do you have a philosophy uh, with communication? Because you're very clear and concise about the ideas that you have and the mm -hmm. way that you, you project them as well and even put them in, in a book form. But I'm just curious, as someone who, I'm, I'm like a constant student about yeah how to be more clear about my message or my, you know, whatever that is. Um, what are your, your beliefs in that, that uh, communication as an art form, you know, mm -hmm. or as, as in just a, a tool? Definitely. So the first thing I would say is I believe that better communicators equal better relationships. And because I understand that relationships are the currency of life, then I need to make sure that I'm investing in my effective communication ability. The second thing is there's a difference between communication and effective communication. We all communicate, but we don't all communicate effectively. Wait, say that again, because <laughs> I, need, I need them to hear that again. Please say that again. Yeah. So there's a difference between communication and effective communication. We all communicate, all of us. Some people will think that's only speaking. Well, I like to say it's speaking and listening mm -hmm. and it's body language. But we all communicate in some shape, form or fashion, but we don't all communicate effectively. And one of the biggest myths or mistakes that people make when it comes to communication is that when you hear communication, the majority of people, the first thing they think about is speaking or talking or sending a message where that's a small piece. The biggest piece 
is the listening piece, but you can't listen to anything if you haven't asked. And I'm going to sound like a broken record, man. We need to start asking more and making statements less. Mm -hmm. If I tell you to do something, that's information. But if I ask you something and you discover it for yourself, that's transformation. Yeah. No, communication as a whole is very undervalued. Facts. I think just in society and in our world, even in our, our small little yeah. uh, company here. Yeah. And that's probably one of the biggest things I look for as a soft mm. skill. I hate that they even call that a soft skill. I hate it. Because it it what you're talking about, matter of fact, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I just changed my perspective mm. on what I consider communication as a hard or as a soft skill. Yeah. It is a hard skill. It is something that needs to be worked at Come and on. trained Come and on. and learned. I mean I, I'm, I'm, I swear, on, I'm not just saying that because you're here, but I, I have a note on here that says <laughs> communication is one of the most important soft skills I look for in people. And talking to you now mm. makes me think that that should be considered the something that we should educate ourselves on, on not only in school or on our own, but just as we're learning how to, you know, learn technology, communication is as or even more important. Communication is everything. It's everything. And I will die on that sword. Communication is that when are we not communicating? I just want I want somebody who's listening, who's watching. I want you to challenge me, throw it in the comment, do something. When are we not communicating? We're always communicating. And again, most people will think, well, no, I don't talk a lot. No, no, no. You're communicating. Your silence is communicating. Your facial expression is communicating. Your tone is communicating. Your body language. I can sit right here and lean back. Yeah. Right. If you listen to this on audio, you can't see me leaning back, but I'm leaning back. This communicates something to the audience and to you. Mm -hmm. Or I can sit up very intently and I'm communicating something or my facial expression can go to a smile like it is now. Or I can look like this. And some people might think I'm mad at you, DG. But if my wife looks at this, she knows, oh, he's focused and he's yeah. locked in. But here's the crazy part about communication. If you don't know me well enough and you see my scowl on my face, you might think, oh, man, is something wrong. Mm -hmm. But if you took the time to ask me quality questions to find out about me to get understanding about me, you would know, oh no, my man is locked in and he's yeah. focused. Those are the nuances and the complexities of communication. And I'm telling people, if you're ever in a space with someone else, you are always communicating something. Mm -hmm. Be mindful about what you're communicating and make sure that what you're communicating is exactly what you want it to communicate. Here's the other part. If we're never communicating with anybody else, we're always communicating with ourselves. I tell people self-talk oh, yeah. is the most important talk. Yeah. When, I, when I speak to leaders and when I speak to young people, I let them know that I can tell you that you're great. I can encourage you. I can empower you. I can motivate you. But those are my words. If your self-talk is different than that, it doesn't matter what I say. You're going to believe all the limiting beliefs that you are talking yourself into every single day. So, again, when are we not communicating? Because yeah. if we're not communicating to other people, we're always communicating with ourselves. I want to double down on that because I've heard this quote that the quality of our thoughts. Come on is also reflects the quality of our mm. life. And it really does start mentally. Yes. Matter of fact, I just posted something on Instagram today where it's, uh, it flicks through these pictures of me performing my paintings on mm. stage and then actually being it. Yeah. And for the longest time, people had told me, art belongs in a gallery. Mm. Stand still while you paint. But in my mind, as they were saying that, I, was, I envisioned, no, I, I'm, I believe it can be done a different way. Yeah. I've seen it once before, but I think it could be done better, I think. And these thoughts drove me to, you know, uh, pursue this at an almost unhealthy level. Mm. But until I saw it come to life, and yeah. even then when I did, to think, 
how can we do this better? Mm. And so it always starts with your thoughts. Come on. And the quality of those thoughts will determine the quality of the outcome of your life. Come on, man. And and I like to say something very similar. I believe that. And the similarity to that is I say the quality of your questions <laughs> lead to the quality of your life. Not only yeah. the questions that I'm asking you, because that's interpersonal communication. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the questions you ask yourself, which yeah. is intrapersonal communication. And most people only focus on interpersonal, which is why they feel like it's a soft skill. But at the end of the day, I'm going to just go on a rant real quick. We need to be teaching our kindergartners all the way to our 12th graders how to communicate. Why? Because they're expected to in every single class they go into. We teach math. We teach science. We teach English. We teach history from K to 12. But they have to communicate in that. They have to be able to raise their hand. They have to be able to ask questions. They have to be able to listen. They have to be able to understand. They have to be able to articulate their ideas, their thoughts, and their opinions. But if nobody is doubling down and teaching those things, then we're setting them up for failure because our expectation is too high and they're not going to reach it. So if there's any educators, any teachers out here that's listening, which I know that there are, we need to start teaching effective communication now and double down on that now. But going back to the intrapersonal that's our self-talk. That's exactly what you're saying. We're in here. We're in our mind every moment of the day. And if we start asking ourselves more questions like, okay, I want to communicate this to David right now. How does David best receive information? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Coloring books. There no. we go. There we go. <laughs> then I, but it's, but through 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 visuals exactly. and, and and visuals means by reading your body mm, language, reading yes. your facial expressions. Yes, uh, you know, I'm a visual learner, yeah. and there's other ways that I learn too. But that's that's the main yeah. the main yeah. one. But we got to check for understanding, though. Yeah. Right. I don't want people to hear this and just go, okay, I, I can be an effective communicator by reading somebody or looking at somebody. No, we need to check for understanding because again, going back to the example, you might read my body language in a certain way right now, and then you will form your next thought or opinion based on that. I would say just check for understanding to see if what you're seeing mm -hmm. is actually what I'm giving off. Yeah. So then we need that understanding. So if I go back to the statement I made, communication and effective communication being different, uh, communication is a sender and a receiver of a message. That's it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't care about how people interpret it. Mm -hmm. Effective communication says, yes, there's a sender. Yes, there's a receiver. But understanding is the bridge. And so if you want to be an effective communicator, let's just start with getting understanding. If there's leaders out here listening, if you're telling your employees to do something, don't just say, do you understand that? Because now you've asked them a close ended question. They're going to give you a yes or no answer. Nobody's going to be productive. And what employee wants to say to their employer? No, I don't know how to do it. Right. I'm trying to keep my job self-preservation. But if you ask, what did you hear me say when I just shared that with you? Now you can get them to reiterate what they said and you can check to see if it landed correctly or if you need to be more creative in your communication. Yeah. A lot of uh, educators, schools, businesses bring you in to help them Max. with this internally. At what point does a school or an organization get to? where there's a, a, such a breakdown in communication that they say, we need help. Like, how are you usually, what, actually, what situations are you usually coming into where communication's been broken down that much? I'm usually coming in in one of two situations. Number one, where students are just not engaged. So if students are not engaged, then at some point, we need to then look at ourselves as adults and see what we are not doing in order to engage. So if students aren't engaged with teachers, then I'm brought in. But if schools are not engaging families of these students, then I'm brought in. So those are the two high level places where I'm brought in where 
a school or a district wants to be better connected with the community or with the families of the students that they're serving, or if the students are having a hard time connecting with the students, I mean, connecting with the uh, adults in the space. And so those are the two main reasons why a school brings me in, which is a very similar reason to why businesses and organizations bring me in. Mm -hmm. If there's turmoil between uh, employees and their, and their upper management or their leaders, then I'm brought in to help bridge that communication. Or if an organization or a corporation wants to communicate their message better mm -hmm. and land more effectively with the community, then I'm brought in as well. Yeah. No, I, you know, I've, I've always been told by uh, this, this pastor that I always am friends with and I go to for guidance. And he always says that the greatest communicators are people who make complicated things simple. Come on. And, and that takes time. There, there's something that comes natural like you, but it is something that can be learned over time. Yeah. Uh, and you can even do this. I do this a lot. Before I send a tweet out, mm. I'll read it, and I'll just start taking things out. Yeah. Because I don't need a bunch of words to get a point across. Come on, man. I just need the key points to say what's on my mind. Come on. And I do this in, in captions for videos or whatever it is. And even just you know, if we're doing a quick video, yeah. just, all right, let's just take out the junk what are we trying to say yeah. here that's effective that's effective yeah and so you just described one of the things that I teach which is concise communication mm -hmm. and concise communication simply says this why use six sentences when you can use three let's just figure out how to say this in the most amazing way yeah and then get it across to the person because we want to be not only effective but we need to be efficient mm -hmm. people people got stuff to do let me just get my message to you as quickly as possible, as concise as possible, but then we'll go to the clear, the courteous, and all that other stuff. But let's be extremely concise in how we share. And one of the reasons I was telling my wife as I was preparing to be on your show, which is phenomenal amazing, Thank that's you. just phenomenal and amazing put together, um, <laughs> I like is, that. is that sometimes I give uh, podcast hosts a difficult time. Right. And, and, and here's here's what it is. And I'm not doing that with you, but I don't have to because you're asking me open ended questions. A lot of podcast people who bring me on, which I end up coaching, mm -hmm. they ask me a lot of close ended questions. And so I teach people only answer what you've been asked. Mm -hmm. So when I'm teaching young people to get ready to go into an interview for a job, I'm like, do not start adding extra stuff because it's going to trip you up. Only answer the question. That is asked of you. So somebody might ask a young person going into an interview, do you have transportation to get you from where you are to my business? Mm -hmm. Someone who is untrained will say, oh, well, I got to ride my bike and I got to take the J and then I got to cross over. And now that person is possibly thinking like, oh, that's not going to be helpful. Where the response should have just been yes. And you sit there and you wait. And you allow other people to extract information. You don't just give information freely. Yeah. And so uh, not only do my students now, imagine a 16-year-old being able to have that type of teaching. Imagine a 10-year-old being able to have that type of information to answer what is asked. That puts the pressure on the other person to be better with your questions. Yeah. It, it's also it's like a superpower. Facts. Knowing that there's power in just say uh, one word or just, or just yes. answering what you've been asked. Yes. And um, especially when something like a job is on the line on. or, uh, you know, a position, whatever that is, it's just it's a, communication is a superpower. One hundred percent. But it's something that they may not come natural to some people and yeah. can be worked at. Yeah. You know, communication comes natural. 
Effective communication does All not. Right. <laughs> Say it again. Communication comes natural. Effective communication does yeah, not. That's, that's what we all need to work on. That's yeah. the superpower. Uh, so you wrote this book. Yep. Dominate your day. I love that it says dominate because it, it doesn't say start your day off with a good mood. <laughs> yeah. uh, begin your day with some words. It's yeah. dominate. Yes. And and that's so much of your your brand, but that's who you are. Mm. I, I want to know what initially inspired you to want to uh, uh, start this project. Definitely. So what inspired me was my aunt Angelique. Rest in peace to her. She passed away. Um, in 2016, and she was the writer in our family. Okay. Like, she was the writer. We knew that she was going to get her poetry out there. We knew that she was going to write multiple books. She passed away before she had a chance to release anything to the world. And so me knowing that, I said, you know what? I want to, I want to honor her in some shape, form, or fashion. And people have already been asking me to write books for years, and I've been like, no, I'm not a book writer. I'm, that's not what I do. But when she passed, I was like, I think the best way to honor her is to write. And this book that will reach 100 people, one person, or a million people, when they open it up and they see the dedication, they'll see her name. Yeah. And I wanted to be very intentional about that. So that's what started like my idea of writing this book. I had ideas to write books in the past because I would go speak all over the place and people would be like, what is that thing you said? Or what was that statement you made? And DG, I'm so in the flow that mm -hmm. I forget, which is why I try to video record everything or audio record. But I was like, you know what? Let me just capture all the things that I've said over these last 17 years and put it in book form. But this is why it's an effective form of communication because the way that you, the premise of this book is a hundred empowering statements that encourage greatness. And yep. the format is, it's almost like a devotional mm -hmm. to, you know, dominating mm -hmm. your day. And it's, it's sort of like a, a hundred short form, um, pieces of inspiration. Yes, sir. And what, because most, when I think of a book, people usually think of like this long story. Yeah. And so what inspired it to want to break it down even into that, into these hundred empowering statements? Two things. This is how I best receive information. Mm -hmm. So I'm going with what I know. Number two, the demographic and audience that I created it for, they like bite-sized pieces as well. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, it's me. And it's my audience. Well, there we go. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so uh, that's why I made it like that. And I wanted to highlight the things that I felt like would bring the best out of people. Sometimes people don't need a long, drawn out story. They just need a statement. Right. I have a statement. Um, I have a statement in there that says, be your best, forget the rest, perfect effort and nothing less. Like that's all somebody might need to hear. They don't mm -hmm. they don't even need the story. They don't even need the questions that come along with it. They just need. That statement, somebody might need the statement of forgiveness is given to the forgiver and the forgiven. That's all they might need. They might not need the story. They might not, they might not need any of that. I have another statement that says an inspired life inspires lives. That's all that person might need. And so I wanted to hit that person who just needs that one statement or if they need a story with it or if they say, you know what? I need the statement. I need the story, but I also need these questions, because mm -hmm. Dwight, you talk about questions all the time. So I wanted to give them some quality, curious and creative questions to do some internal work so their self-awareness could be built so they can get to become the person they want to be. Because here's what I believe. The person who knows themselves the quickest wins the fastest. Mm -hmm. And so although this is a book of encouragement and empowerment, it's also a book 
on self-awareness. I just want people to know who they are. Because when you know who you are, not only can you make best decisions today, but you can make better decisions for tomorrow. Yeah. I think, too, what's important is, you know, by reading something like this on a daily basis, because confidence is built over time. Mm. And I think that dominating something is yeah. a form of confidence. Yes, sir. But it's like building up to that. Yeah. And, you know, because we, we read things or we, we listen to podcasts, we go on with our day and then something hits us and mm. we're like, we kind of lose a little confidence. Yeah. And it's like these daily reminders that confidence isn't something that just, you know, drops on you. It's yeah. built up over time. Yeah. And it's knowing that whatever hardships I've been through, I'm still here. 100%. And the confidence to know that this one thing that I'm dealing with today still not going to knock me like the hundred things Come that I've on, gone man. through in the past. Come on. And you're talking about self-talk right now. Like that is talk yeah. that you're only having with you. Now, you might have just shared with the million listeners that's listening right now, but my mom's definitely listening. Shout out to mom. Yeah, shout, shout out to mom. To mom. <laughs> my mom is listening too. Yeah, <laughs> All right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Both moms in the building. <laughs> but that's self-talk. And so sometimes we need to build ourselves up because there's not gonna always be another person encouraging us. Mm -hmm. As much as we might need it and as much as we might want it, sometimes we have to encourage ourselves. My grandmother um, on my mom's side, shout out to Gam. I'm shouting out my whole family yeah, today. We got um, but she, she used to say this thing and I knew where she was going with it, but I flipped it. I used to be the kid who would be in the room and I'm talking to myself. One, cause I'm playing with my Hulk Hogan, my He-Man, all that good stuff, but I'm talking to myself. Um, and she would be like, Dwight, stop talking to yourself. That's what crazy people do, mm. right? And, and I got her context. But I flipped it. I said, no, you got to be crazy enough to believe when you say the right thing. So did you I, say that to her? No, 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 okay. no. I didn't say that. No, no, bro, I wouldn't be here right now, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep it solid with you. Yeah. My grandmother is a gangster if in the, I said in that the to, best way. <laughs> yeah, if I said to my grandma, she'd be like, uh, I'm about to go yeah. T-Man on you. Yeah. No, in the moment, no, I didn't, I didn't have this revelation. But yeah. when I got older, I was like, no, no, no. We need to be talking to ourselves. We need to talk ourselves into the confidence so that we can dominate. So every single day. I start my day with I am statements. I am great. Mm -hmm. I am powerful. I'm a phenomenal, amazing husband. I'm the best dad in the world. I'm the greatest son. I'm the greatest nephew. I'm the greatest grandfather now, right? Like I talk myself into those things, even though I may not be them yet. See, it's not about perfection. It's about progression. So I'm always in a growth mindset. I'm always talking myself into the aspirational pieces of what I desire to see myself become because what I believe is this. If we say it enough, we'll believe it enough. And if we believe it enough, we'll become it extremely quickly. So even if I messed up with my wife this morning, which I did, and I don't think I did. Hopefully she's not going to bust <laughs> me out of the She'll let you comments. know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But even if I messed up this morning on my drive here, I'm going to say I'm the greatest husband I can be, which is going to talk me into dominating once I get home. And dominating your day is literally about bringing your perfect effort. Mm -hmm. We're not perfect, but we can bring a perfect effort to every situation that we're in and we can be intentional. And like my grandfather used to say, either we're intentional or we're irresponsible. We got to pick one. <laughs> and I desire to be intentional when it comes to everything I do, but especially my family and especially my wife. That's another shout out. Let's yes. go. Where were you in life when you and what period were you in when you started becoming more self-aware? Yeah. Because I, there was a point in my life where I can look back and I can say, you know, even though I had a flow and I was successful, I really had this shift of time where I became mm. more self-aware. Yeah. What was that for you? Going into my 30th birthday. Yeah, going into my 30th birthday. That's the same for me. 
For real? Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah, going yeah. In, going into 30. I don't know. It's, I think it's something. So I coach a lot of men as well, right? Like real manhood, that's what we do. But a lot of men that I've connected with, something shifts right, right around that 30th birthday for whatever reason, right? And I haven't figured that piece out. But going into my 30th birthday, at that time, I'm the father of three. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm a father, but I'm still trying to figure out me. How am I going to lead when I'm barely leading myself? And so I, deci- I decided to take a personal, intrapersonal, introspective journey from 29 to 30 and really do some self-work. And that's really how real manhood got built based off me doing the work. I wanted to reject passivity, which is the R. I wanted to expect a greater reward out of myself, which is the E. I wanted to accept responsibility, personal responsibility, and stop blaming everything and making excuses for everything because our excuses excuse us from being exceptional. And then the L was lead courageously. And I reminded myself that even when I'm not leading anybody else, Mm -hmm. the most important person I can lead every single day is myself. Mm -hmm. And so, for 360 something days, I just went on a journey and woke up on my 30th birthday feeling brand new, but also understanding that I can't just be content with where I am. I have to now put this thing into practice. Yeah. I may have to have you repeat it again, but those pillars of mm-hmm. becoming more self-aware, because when you do that, it's I think essentially you're, you're taking the responsibility of your life yeah. and aware that I lack in this area. I'm strong in yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I really need to work on that. And it's it's a responsibility across the board of even knowing that you if you're really great at something, you still have to grow in it. And around that time in my life too, 29, 30-ish. Yeah. And I, at that time, I was like, I mean, we were, I was on a high. Like it was, things were do, going really, really well. Yeah. Um, but even in the midst of that, I still had a, res, a lot of responsibility to take care of. Mm. Um, which made me become more aware. Yeah. And I would say I'm, I'm turning 40 this year. Congratulations, and brother. even though I became more self-aware then, yeah. it's been a decade journey Facts. of really embracing and understanding mm. what I need to be self-aware of. Mm-hmm. That's the journey. It's like it, it starts by by accepting responsibility i'm aware of these things that i'm good and great and not so good at yeah and then the journey begins of which is i'm I'm sure the rest of my life now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but whenever that is for someone whenever that shift of of uh knowing that you're going to just take responsibility from this point on what everything changes at that point 100 percent, and that's what happened for me it changed it changed my perspective that's what really changed when i became more self-aware of the person I was, I started becoming more self-aware of the decisions I was making. Mm-hmm. And it hit me that every decision that I make, it matters. Yeah. Every decision. Because that decision will lead to the next decision. And if I want my tomorrow me to turn around to my today me and say, thank you for setting me up for success, then I have to be my best when it comes to making best decisions. And that's where it changed for me. I became self-aware. And then I started being on a path of, let me just make the best decisions. And there would be days where I would hit it out the park. And there would be days where I would fall flat on my face. But I'm so self-aware in that moment because I had practiced it for a whole year Mm -hmm. that I can recognize, oh, let me reflect on where I I missed the mark. Mm -hmm. And then let me move forward. The other piece is on that journey, I had a journal. Mm -hmm. Like I really like 
dove into journaling even more so that I can be super reflective on how things were going so I can look back five days, five months and see how much have I really grown, right? Because we need metrics to measure our movement. And so if I didn't have that journal, I wouldn't have been, been able to look back and see if I made progress, if I had been staying stagnant, or if I went backwards. And so uh, journaling helped me on that journey. And now, even at 40, I'm, I'm on a new journey. Yeah, I'm on a new journey of being 40. I'm on a new journey of having adult kids. And I'm on a new journey of being a brand new grandfather. So yeah, wow. it, it's different, Congrats. man. Thank you, yeah. brother. You know, and one of the things that I became really self-aware of was the relationships in my life, mm. uh, whether it was romantic, yeah. whether it was professional, uh, even the ones that I had not made yet, knowing mm. the, the type of relationships I want to make. Mm. You have a new course that you came out with, <laughs> and you have to give us a title, but yeah. um, tell me about the course, but also like what inspired that? Like, wh- how... How important are the relationships in our lives and how do they affect our lives? So how important? Most important. Mm -hmm. They're the most important because, again, I'm not just talking about relationships that are interpersonal. I'm talking about the intrapersonal relationship with yourself because what is in us eventually comes out. So how we communicate with ourselves is what we're going to communicate externally. So if if I have negative self-talk, Nine times out of 10, I'm going to communicate externally negative. And so we want to make sure that our relationship with ourselves is healthy mm-hmm. so that our relationship with other people can be healthy. So the course is called Hacking Your Relationships Like a Pro, How to Build Bridges Instead of Barriers in All of Your Relationships. So I want to build better bridges as a big brother. I want to build better bridges as a grandfather. I want to build better bridges as a friend. I want to build better bridges with my colleagues. And so... What I'm sharing in this course is how to hack those things. And the reality is people probably got 10% of the course right here because the basis of hacking a relationship is asking curious, creative, and quality questions. And so I knew that this is what helped me. And then I began to teach it. Then I began to mentor and model it. And now I'm coaching it. Yeah. Right? It goes back. But there's to more to the course. About. Yeah, you didn't oh, get it all here. Yeah. That's why I said 10. percent I'm very specific. I'm very <laughs> okay. specific. So don't don't just get this. Get the other 90 as well. <laughs> I know there's I know there's a lot more to it. Yeah. Is there a, a relationship in our lives that that we overlook? Um, you know, we know the obvious ones, mm-hmm. the romantic, the professional, uh, maybe the colleagues or someone that we're mentoring. Are there any other relationships that we may overlook? So I have two answers, but I'm, I'm only going to answer one way because I think this is a great moment for me to share this. Um, I don't know that answer. Mm. I only know the answer that works for me. And that's the type of teacher I am, right? You just asked the question, like, do we have? I don't know. I yeah. may, you may have a relationship that you're missing where another viewer or listener does not have that relationship that they're missing. But I will say this. If we take the time, scratch that, make the time, to do a deep dive into our relationships, but even more importantly, into what we desire these relationships to be, then we'll start noticing where we're slacking off a little bit. There was a time, um, I I put it up on Instagram probably like two years ago, where I knew that I wasn't being the best uncle to my nephew. I knew it. And on the outside looking in, people would be like, wait a minute, you're amazing. This is what you do. You coach him in basketball. You do all this great stuff. That's cool. But I know that I'm not giving my perfect effort to my capability. And so I needed to step up in that relationship where somebody else might think that I'm doing well, but it only came from me being reflective and being introspective. So if there's anybody out there who's 
thinking about a relationship that they want to build, one, if you're thinking about it, then build it. Mm -hmm. Start doing what you need to do. Start connecting. But even if you think that you have all the relationships together, here's the greatest thing that you can do. Ask every person that you're in relationship with how you're doing when it comes to building relationships. I guarantee some people might give you a, a, a 10 out of 10, and there might be somebody who gives you a 7. And if they give you a 7, then find out what you need to do to get that 7.25. Yeah. And then 7.5. And then 8. So uh, I would just ask every person who you're in relationship with, if that's personal or professional, ask them how you're doing. They're going to be honest with you. Period. Yeah. And what a great way to even build that relationship 100%. by having that honest conversation. Come on. Because I, I know if I called this one individual who I've been <laughs> friends with f since freshman year of high yeah. school, who, you know, only two people I've really been friends with that long. Yeah. I know I could call him and ask him that. And he'd tell me, I'm going, bro, you're like a three right mm. now. Um, but aside from that, I think you answered for me mm. a relationship that I don't think I was as fully aware of wow. that I need to work on that was sort of went unseen, which is the relationship with myself. And, and the, mm. as we, as we talk about this more learning about my self-talk yeah. and the thoughts that I have, cause you know, as an artist, as a creative I got to go to a lot of different spaces in my head mm. and then I have to turn it off mm. and uh, beyond, you know, I got to perform yeah. on stage and yeah. speak and then you go back to like this creative space. And so it's part of it is finding a, a balance that's healthy. Mm. Um, but the more that we talk, I, I realize that, you know, there's a lot of self-talk that I could really work on that could improve things so much better if I could build that relationship. And it could be as simple as the, the relationship of how I speak to myself. 100%. Yeah. Again, how we speak to ourselves is going to be exposed by how we speak to others. Mm -hmm. Literally. If somebody is with me long enough, if you give me enough time to observe you, I'll know your self-talk because you can't fake it forever. <laughs> I'll know your self-talk. I'll Little things will come out and I'm trained to listen for the little things and the little thing just might be the change in tone. You may say the, the right words, but the tone has a little bit of like, I'm trying to cut you a little bit, but I don't want you to think that I'm trying to cut you. Right. Yeah, I know the, some people like that. <laughs> it, 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 it could be a facial expression to how I'm saying something to you, but the facial expression lets me know that, oh, there's a little bit of envy and jealousy in that facial expression. Oh, there's a little bit of superiority in that facial expression or the posture that you're in as you're saying it. And so those nuances and those quirks that I teach people to look for, those are the things that we end up expressing externally. But we can do something about it when you do exactly what you said. Work on that internal self-talk. Yeah, absolutely. Which I will definitely be uh, working on. Mm. You know, uh, aside from Dominate Your Day yeah. uh, is on Amazon. Amazon, yeah. You've got the new course, yeah. Uh, you know, really uh, maximizing your relationships, hacking them, and, and maximizing them. What else is next for Dwight Taylor Senior? A lot, man, a lot. But the one thing that I do want to share is, you know, we got our seventh annual Real Manhood One Hundred and One coming yes. up. Seven. When is that? So it's on May twenty first. And, and, and who would register for that or how do you how do people yeah. sign up for that? So you can go to ourinvestmentnow.org to find out more information, or you can go to realmanhood101.org, or you can follow this is OIN on Instagram or on uh on yeah, on Instagram, because we're there right now. But May 21st is the actual virtual, mm -hmm. 
But we're going to lead up all of May, and then we're going to follow up in June with our Manhood Awareness Month. Okay. That is going to be ridiculous. And so, uh, yeah, we're easy to find online. But if you're a sixth grader all the way up into a 12th grader mm -hmm. or you're a family member of a sixth grade male to a 12th grade male, this is where you want them to be. And it's, and it's easy this year because it's virtual. Yeah. And so we're going to be virtual again this year. I was lucky enough to be there at a live version, yeah. and uh, and it was incredible. I, I said earlier, the way that you capture the attention of these young men, mm. uh, it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. Appreciate and that. I was really, really impressed with it. Mm. So um, those of you who are considering, definitely look that up. Yeah. Um, man, it's just, it's always a pleasure to be in your presence, uh, your energy. And I, I feel like I'm going to read this, but also... Um, just the conversation of, of wanting to go dominate my day, my life after this. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, it really does project clearly from you. Man, I appreciate that, brother. And thank you for having me. And, and uh, you know, one of the last things that I want to say is you asked me, like, about the dominating piece. And it's not just get your day started. I'm super competitive. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I'm probably the most competitive person I've ever met in my entire life. And I'm biased. But I'm super competitive. So if we were playing basketball... I don't want to, and we're playing 21. I don't want to beat you 21 to 18. I want to beat you 21 to zero. That's how competitive I am. And so I learned quickly in that journey of turning 30 that I don't necessarily want to start competing with anyone else anymore. I don't want to compete with other people. I want to compete with the yesterday me. I want to be better than I was the day before. And my grandfather would always say, better your best. So whatever your best was, today is a day to better that. And so I want to dominate every single day by bettering who I was, by beating yesterday's me. I want to even be better if we do another interview than I was this interview. I want to be better in five minutes from now than I was right now. And so that's where the domination piece comes in. And if you read the book, I truly believe that your life will be changed, not only for the better, but it will also be changed in a way that you can help other people change their life as well. Absolutely. You'll definitely win that basketball game, by the way. <laughs> 21 to maybe one. So AB zero, <laughs> man. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. And uh, we got some, we got some stuff to create too. Oh, facts, so. facts. Thank you for having me, my brother. Thank you, Dwight. Yes, sir.